All right, while the ushers are taking the offering, I want to have Casey Stanley come up. She's with Real Hope. And um, I'll, I'll let uh, Casey explain to you what, what Real Hope is all about. Awesome. Thank you. Good morning, Gateway. Thank you so much to the, to the team here at Gateway for letting us be here. My name is Casey Stanley. I'm the founder and director of the Real Hope Project. And before I tell you anything about Real Hope or what we do or why we do it, I want to ask everyone in this room to take out your cell phone. Grab your phone and open a text message to this phone number. 763-402-9933. 763-402-9933. Now just hold on to that for a minute, and I'll tell you what we're going to do with that in just a second. Yep, you got it. 763-402-9933. Everybody good? Give me a thumbs up. All right. Well, for those of you who don't know, Real Hope is an organization that was started right here in Elk River about 18 months ago. And what we do is we make videos of kids in foster care who are waiting to be adopted. And then we bring those videos around to churches like this one. And we try to find forever families for kids who are waiting to be adopted. Now, Real Hope came from this conviction that we as the church, we as the people of God, can address almost every issue our nation is facing if kids have Jesus and family. And if kids have Jesus and family, we make a serious impact on a lot of issues uh, that, are, that the church cares and is passionate about. Here's what I mean by that. 80% of people in, our, in the prison systems in the United States have one thing in common. They were once in foster care. 80% of women who are sex trafficked in the United States have one thing in common. They were once in foster care. 20% of kids who age out of foster care without being adopted become immediately homeless. 25% of kids who age out without being adopted will struggle with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And two-thirds of the girls who age out without being adopted will be pregnant by the time they're 21, and two-thirds of those babies will end up back in foster care. Guys, we as the people of God can address almost every issue our nation is facing if kids have Jesus and family. And if kids have Jesus and family, we make a serious impact on incarceration rates, sex trafficking, homelessness, mental health, teen pregnancy, all of it. Healing for these kids begins with Jesus and family. Now, hear me clearly on this. I am not saying that that means you're going to bring a kid who's been through significant trauma into your home and your family loves Jesus so that kid's just going to be healed immediately from all, their, from all their trauma and from all their challenges. Probably not. I mean, our God can do miracles, but without a miracle, probably not. These kids have been through more pain in their short little lives than most of us have ever known. And they will have challenges. These kids will be difficult sometimes. But guess what, church? So are we. And God adopted us anyway. Don't think for one second that our adoption as sons and daughters of God came without challenges. My adoption came through blood. Our adoption came through sacrifice. And yet our God says we were worth it. Now in the United States right now, there are 100,000 kids waiting to be adopted. 1,000 of those kids are right here in the state of Minnesota. I want to introduce you to one of those kids right now. This is my new friend, Caleb. If I could have any superpower, it would have to either be strength or cunning, being able to outsmart my foes. My favorite superhero would have to be either Spider-Man or Captain America. I think that my friends would describe me as a fun, energetic, kind of playfully rough child, and that they would think I'm pretty funny and they have a good time with me. If I could pick any one meal to eat for the rest of my life, it would have to be ramen noodles, like traditional ramen noodles. That's good. <laughs> I am good at running. That's something I'm good at. I'm good at, I'm good at algebra, actually. You can't run and do algebra at the same time. <laughs> I have tried. If I could be good, like really good at one particular thing, it would have to be 
wrestling or dirt biking? Oh my gosh, I have plenty of white belt stories. <laughs> the qualities I have to say make a good friend. First of all, that they're nice to me. Uh, that's always a good one. That they can be loyal and will care about me for a long time. What I, well, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of the word family is uh, either related or really close friends. Because right now, if, if I considered like all my good friends family, I have a very huge extensive family. The most helpful thing that I think people can do for other people is try to be more selfless than selfish. What comes to mind when I think of the word adoption, I, the first thing that comes to mind is permanent home. I'm kind of looking for a permanent spot. My parents' job is that, well, first of all, make, make sure you do your homework. <laughs> that, that, that's a good thing. That's always a great thing. Make sure that they spend a lot of time with their kids, actually have enough time to hang out with their kids and actually be able to talk with their kids. My name is Caleb. Uh, <laughs> all right. Like that, that was pretty great. My name is Caleb. I'm 14 years old, and this is my reel. There we go. <laughs> Isn't he great? <laughs> oh, this is just a part where he names all the characters in Star Wars. <laughs> Caleb is 14. He's been, he lives here in Minnesota, and he has been waiting for a family for a long time. Caleb lives in a state where there are 4,000 churches. A thousand kids waiting to be adopted, 4,000 churches. Guys, we don't need every family to adopt from foster care. We don't even need every church to adopt from foster care. We need one family and every four churches to adopt one kid, and we will have no more orphans in the state of Minnesota. That is a doable goal, you guys. For the people of God, that is a doable goal for us. So our goal at the Real Hope Project is to make a video like Caleb's for every kid in Minnesota who's waiting to be adopted. And then we bring them around to churches like this one, and we invite families like yours to talk and pray and dream about adopting kids from foster care. So here's what we're asking of you this morning. You have a text message ready to go in your phone. We're asking you to pray about doing one of these three things, adopt, village, or give. And we're going to ask you to text one of those three words to the number you put in your phone, adopt, village, or give. So number one, adopt. If you text the word adopt, all we're going to do is we're going to call you tomorrow and we're going to answer any questions you have about adoption. So go to our website. There's over 40 videos on our website right now of kids who are waiting to be a part of a family like yours. Stop by our table this morning. We've got kid videos that are looping on iPads. Come and just meet some kids. And by the way, sometimes I think that people are afraid to come to our table because you think that somehow we are going to trick you into signing adoption paperwork, <laughs> which if that were doable, we would definitely do that. <laughs> but it's a much longer process. It would be difficult to trick you for that long. So don't be afraid. Come to our table and meet some kids. Maybe you're not called to adopt. That's okay. Not everybody is. Then sign up to be a part of a village. If you text the word village to that number, we're just going to add you to our database. And when a family from this church adopts, we're going to connect you with them so that you can be a part of their village of support. When we go to churches, we say for any one family from Gateway Church who steps forward to adopt, we need five families to come around that family as their village of support, to love that kid, to love that family, to stop by with groceries, to take the kid to soccer practice, to volunteer to babysit, whatever you can do to serve that family and empower them in their adoption process. And if you text the word give, it's just going to send you a link to our online giving system where you can sign up to be a monthly giver. Everything we do costs money. We travel around the state to make these videos, and we travel around the state to share them. And we can only do it. All of our funding comes from families like you. All of our funding comes from individual families and people. We cannot do this without the financial support of the church. And every month that Real Hope has been around, we've gotten busier and busier and done more and more videos. At this point last year, we were doing two videos a month. At this point, we're doing about six videos a month. We've tripled in our activity since we were here last year, which is awesome. We're in the process of building a, a contract with the state of Minnesota that will give us access to every kid in every county in Minnesota. We want the state of Minnesota to know that the people of God are coming after these kids, that these kids will not be left behind as long as the church of Jesus stands. And so join us in this. Text the word adopt, village, or give, and let's make sure that every kid in Minnesota has a forever family. Thanks, you guys. I'm um, excited to have you here this morning. I met a lot of you, a lot of new faces here today. Uh, hopefully God has met you already. Amen? 
Isn't it awesome what Real Hope is doing? Man, let's get involved. We've got to get involved somehow, some way. We're one of those four churches, but let's be a leader in that, all right? Let's do what it takes. Let's make sure they have the funding. Let's make sure that they have the prayer, the support that they need. Great worship today. Hey, um, this morning, it's a fifth Sunday, so we're going to talk about missions. We're in the midst of a series, um, Gateway Church here, that deals with the logo of the Christian Missionary Alliance, the fourfold gospel, Jesus Christ is Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. But behind that fourfold gospel is a globe. And if you look over here, i got some guys that are helping me put this logo together. And that's going to be the backdrop to this logo. That is representative of the world. Today is our fifth Sunday. We're going to talk about missions. And I've asked Tom to come and share from his heart. And in the midst of Tom getting ready to, to come and preach, he's had some pretty significant stuff happening in his world. And those of you who don't know Tom, Tom is an elder here at Gateway Church. He's the guy that preaches to our kids on a regular basis on Wednesday night. And I want you to know he does a fabulous job. It helps that he has a couple of kids in youth group, but he has a heart for our students. And he's not getting paid to do this, but he does it on a weekly basis. And we have a lot of other volunteers that are around, but I appreciate Tom's heart, and I appreciate what he's doing and trying to invest into our kids. And if you want to come on a Wednesday and experience that, we're doing great things. We're doing great things with our kids, and I'm really excited. And the last time I was here a couple weeks ago, there were kids all over playing all sorts of games and running around and eating snacks and just enjoying life together as friends. And then they come together and worship and, and hear the word. And Tom's bringing the word to them on a regular basis. So I want to thank you for that, Tom. But Tom's dealing with some struggles in his life. He just heard from his father this past week that uh, his dad doesn't have much longer to live. So when you're trying to do your world and your work and Tom works a regular job and then you're trying to put a message together and preach to us and then you get that thrown on you it's tough and then he went to the doctor this week and found out he's got some his own health issues this guy's the figure of fit and trim and he's got some health issues and he doesn't like it he don't want to take a pill and so he's got that pressure on him but i told him this morning i said in our weakness god is strong right and it's not about tom and it's not about what he can do, but it's about what God can do through us. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I know where Tom's at. And he's struggling, but he's going to bring the word Amen. out of God's strength. And this is a verse I read to him today. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. That's what I want you to remember today. Let me pray for Tom before he comes and shares with us. Lord, thank you for Tom and his life and his heart and his ministry and his family. Lord, what an awesome gift he is to Gateway Church. Lord, he is a child of you. He loves you. He wants to serve you with his whole heart. And he's doing it out of his love for you. Lord, today, he feels weak and inadequate because of life. But that's right where you want him. Because you want to speak through him. And we want to hear your words, Lord, more than Tom's words. Fill him with the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. May no one leave this room unchanged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Joel. Came in and saw me working on this this morning and prayed for me and made me cry. I said, man, usually I only do that in Cleveland Browns games, but today... <laughs> It's a little different. So it is Mission Sunday. I've been asked to speak about missions. I don't know if a lot of you know this. We're a Christianary Missionary Alliance, Christian Missionary Alliance Church, CMA. M for missions. That's what we do. So if it's in our title, we should probably speak about it. We should probably be active in it, right? And you can speak to me today, church. You can talk to me. You're not going to offend me. If I ask a question... Let me know what your answer is, okay? okay? All right, we're good. We're good. So what is mission? 
This is the dictionary definition of mission. An important assignment to be carried out. An important assignment to be carried out. So what is our mission? What is Gateway's mission? What is the mission of the church? Well, it's Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, if you've been coming here a while, you hear this all the time. This is our mantra. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a pretty important mission, isn't it, church? That's a really important mission. But how do we approach it? Because I think how our heart is when we approach missions is just as important as that statement itself. Where's your heart when you hear about missions? When you come to church and forget it's the fifth Sunday and you see it's Mission Sunday, is it like, oh, not another message about missions, man? I've had to talk to myself about that before. I can be truthful here, right? I've had to speak to myself about that. I've showed up with an attitude like that. That's wrong. It's not a good place for your heart to be. It's such an important topic. Probably should talk about it more. Maybe your heart's on the other side of it. Maybe you're thinking, whoa, this church is so fortunate I'm on the missions board because, woo. Or it's probably a good thing I've given so much to, to missions. Is that where your heart is? I just want to be clear, like right up front. God doesn't need you to be a missionary. God doesn't need your money to support missionaries. God doesn't need you. He definitely doesn't need me. He doesn't need us for anything. God could take care of all the missions himself if he wanted to. He could do that all by himself. I don't know what kind of funds they use in the convenience stores in heaven, like cosmic currency, whatever that is, but God has an infinite amount of it that he could fund any missions trip, any missionary, anywhere, all at the same time, and not think about it. He doesn't need us for anything. But because he loves us, he wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to have that desire to reach people. He loves when we have that desire, but he doesn't need us. He does not need us. I remember growing up, my parents divorced and I was really little. We had no money. I mean, no money. So when I would go to visit my father every other weekend, usually there was some playtime, some good time, but a lot of that included probably work around the house. There was always something breaking down in my dad's house. It was an old house, pipes leaking everywhere. I mean, you name it. But there was always work to be done. And I loved when he allowed me to work with him. Especially when he got the cool stuff out, like the blowtorch, sharp cutting tools, that kind of thing. Man, I loved coming alongside of him. And I know I was more of a hindrance than a help. I know that. I can barely hang a picture. Seriously. Ask my wife. I'm horrible, man. I'm horrible. But he allowed me to come alongside of him, knowing that he could have this job done in 30 minutes. It's probably going to take me two hours with Tom here. He's going to be asking questions. He's going to be wanting to hold the torch and burn things, animals, whatever. I just need to get this job done, but my dad loves me. My dad loves me. And so he let me enter into this work with him. He allowed me to come alongside of him. And even though I was no help, because he loved me, he wanted me there. I've always wanted to make my father proud 
I just wanted to, I wanted to please him, you know? I always want to please my dad. He was a Vietnam veteran. I was really proud of his service. He's proud of his service to our country. But when I went enlisted in the United States Army, who was the first person I called? My dad. I wanted to please him. I wanted him to know that I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I want to be like you. I'm in the same job that he had. So every time a promotion came along or something cool happened at work or just, just something that I knew would please him, make him proud, he was my very first call. This is supposed to be the way we approach missions. It is not some box we have to check off. It's like we show up and it's like, fine, take my money, give it to somebody. It's not a box to check off. It is a, God, I want to be present, like with you in your work. I want to come alongside of you. I know the mission. I, I know what it is. Can you leave the uh, slide up for me? Just leave it up for a while, please. I know what that mission is. To go. I want to do it, not because I'm commanded, but because, man, I just, I want to please you. I just want to be in the work with you wherever you are. God, I want to be right there. We should be involved in missions not just because we're commanded to, but man, just because we have this desire. A desire to see lost people saved. A desire to spend time with our Father in the work that He deems important. I want to be there. Mark 12, 30 and 31 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no other commandment greater than these. This, it's not talking about who lives next door to you. This side, that side. He's talking about everybody you share this planet with. That is your neighbor. I don't care what skin tone they have. I don't care what country they're in. How far across the earth it is from where you're at. That is your neighbor. Do you love everyone like yourself? Because what is missions but the outpouring of that love to people you may not even know? That's love for one another. Missions is love. No greater form than sharing the truth with them. Wherever they're at in the world. So who? Who's responsible for missions? says here, according to the scripture, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Who's responsible for it? He's speaking there to his disciples. Jesus is speaking to his disciples saying, this is where I want you to go. Now, all those disciples, mostly all of them, were martyred for this word. They believed it was important enough to die for. And eventually they all died. Does that mean that the call to witness for him has died too? Was he just speaking to his disciples? Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? That's your call. That's the call on your life. That mission didn't die when the disciples did. This mission gets carried out by everyone who calls himself a Christ follower. Are you a Christ follower? I love Jesus' words here. He says, you will be my witnesses. You will. Look, if you're, if you're going to follow me, you will go. You, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My kids don't have a choice. You will serve the Lord. When you move out, we can talk. You will 
go, Christian, Christ follower. He didn't say, you will all go except Peter, you're going to ruin the cause. He said, you will go. He didn't say, if you feel like it, maybe, if you're feeling up to it. No, he left all that out. He said, you will go. Now, where is a different story. But we're all called to go somewhere. He doesn't leave anybody out. We're all called to go somewhere. And in a church this size, I'm guessing there's at least one, at least one who has felt the Holy Spirit stirring inside of them, prompting them to go somewhere far off, halfway around the world, wherever that is. There may be more. If you felt that call on your life to go, why are you still here? Seriously, if that's you, why are you in this room today? You're struggling with it, wrestling with God over it? You know wrestling with God does not end well, right? You guys remember Jacob? Oh, Jacob's wrestling with the Lord. He's giving him a pretty good fight, too, it says. It's like God was like, whoa. This kid's got a little fire in him. But we're going to end that right now. Boop, touched his hip. He limped the rest of his life. Don't wrestle with God. You might be thinking to yourself, yeah, I, I felt it. I felt that call, but naturally I'm, I'm an introvert. I mean, I get it, but I am far too shy to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. Man, I just, I, I, I can't do it. I, I can't get out there and step outside of my comfort zone. You know, God does not care about any of those labels you put on yourself. God didn't give you those labels. He didn't label you introverted or shy. Those are labels we put on ourselves. We put those labels on ourselves to absolve us of any responsibility to go. And you see, my job is to tell you the truth. It, it trumps my need to be liked by everybody. I, I, that's my nature. I want to be liked by everybody. But this is true. God doesn't care about the labels. He doesn't care about any excuse you have. He doesn't need you to go. What he wants are people willing to go. Obedient and willing to take the good news someplace. Share with people. When we tell God, I'm too shy, I can't. God, you know what all he hears is you say, you're not worth it. This here is not valuable enough for me to go. God, I hope he never hears that come from me. I hope he never hears that from me. Why? Why place such a high priority on missions? Why me? Because hell is real. Man, hell is real. Used to be, you know, used to speak about hell a lot more than we do now. Used to speak about hell quite often. Matter of fact, rightfully so, Jesus spoke about hell more than he talked about heaven. But over the time and the need to get kind of a little softer, a little bit warmer, a little bit more fuzzier, you know, the message kind of went from that to you know, Jesus is your friend. He just wants to hang out with you and whatever. That's, tr that's true. Jesus wants a relationship with you. But that's part of it. That's only part of it. Man, unless people know what they are saved from, that's not the full message. It's not the full message. There's churches, pastors now, they're not even, they're just denying that hell is even exists. It's true. I mean, it's gotten to that point. What do you think that's done for missions? 
Like the, the urgency isn't there anymore. Why? Because, well, if hell isn't real, why do I need to go share the gospel? The problem with that is hell is real. And we don't like to think about it. That, that imagery we get isn't pretty. Eternal torment? Just read some of what Jesus said about hell. If you want a wake-up call on hell, study it. Ooh. I know it's not pretty, but suppression of the truth isn't helping anybody. It's a bad, bad place. The one we should wish no one would ever have to see. We wish no one would go there. Knowing hell is real, along with the command to love your neighbor as yourself, and our absolute desire to please our Heavenly Father, it's really the only motivation we should need to go. It's the only motivation we should need to go. You can't tell me, I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe He's my sanctifier. Yes, He's my healer and coming King. He is coming again. But when it comes to missions, I'm just not really on board with it. Not me. You can't separate those two. Jesus didn't. When he's in the room with the disciples, he's like, all right, you know me. You've seen me. We've walked the earth together. You've witnessed my miracles. You know I've been raised from the dead. Now go. What are you still doing in this room? He didn't separate those two. You can't either. If you can't say that you're on board with missions, I, I question the other part. Do you really believe Jesus Savior? Do you really believe that he saved you from hell? Do you believe that he died for you on that cross, that the blood was poured out for you and just you? You can't have one without the other. Jesus didn't separate them and we can't either. I want you to think of the most evil thing you've seen recently on the news, anywhere, in person, on the news. Most evil thing, and just like, wow, evil is real in this world. Today, evil's real. Think about that for a second. What's the most evil thing you've seen recently? Got it? I'm going to tell you, whatever you think in your mind right now, pales in comparison, pales in comparison to the person who has knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is, who gets completely, understands what he's done for you, for me, and refuses to let anybody else know about it. That's evil. I'm going to share something. I, I, I think time-wise I'm okay. So I'm going to share this story with you. It's so good. It's short. But it's so good it has stuck with me ever since I read it. This comes from a, this comes from a book, Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. And it says this, Charlie Peace was a criminal. Laws of God or man curbed him not. Finally the law caught up with him and he was so condemned, and so he was condemned to death. On the fatal morning in Armalee Jail, Leeds, England, he was taken on the death walk. Before him went the prison chaplain, routinely and sleepily reading some Bible verses. The criminal touched the preacher and asked, What are you reading? He said, The Consolations of Religion. Charlie Peace was shocked at the way he professionally read about hell. Could a man so unmoved under the very shadow of the scaffold as, it led to a as to lead a fellow human there, and yet dry-eyed read of a pit that has no bottom in which this fellow must fall. Could this preacher believe the words that there is an eternal fire that never consumes its victims, yet slide over that phrase without a tremor? Is a man human at all who can say with no tears, you will be eternally dying and yet never know the relief death brings? This is what Charlie Peace says back. Sir, addressing the preacher, 
if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it if need be on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. Man, if that does not shake you to your core. We're just so flippant about it. As hell, I'm probably not even going to talk about it because it's just not a, not a cool subject to bring up. This man said, hey, if you believe what you're saying and you're just so flippant about it, and I would walk on my hands and knees across glass to save one soul to save them from that place. Where? Where? You have that slide up again? Where? Do missions where? Now these disciples are going, okay, I get it. Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea. Now Jerusalem's pretty okay. I mean, I'm here. I can find that. Judea, have some look, you know, with some help. Samaria, we'll find that too. But what about the ends? The ends of the earth? Oh, I, I hope we don't have any flat earthers in here today. I'm going I'm to spoil it for you. The earth is round. The earth is round. It's like a giant marble floating through space. But the first thing I learned about shapes growing up in school is when you have something round, it has no end to it. Where's the ends of the earth? If Jesus is telling you to go to the ends of the earth, where is he sending you? How do you find the ends of the earth? You don't. You don't find the ends of the earth. We're going to look. We're going to keep looking. But you're not going to find the ends of the earth. He's going to tell you when we've reached that. There's no ends to this earth. Matt, if I stuck you in a round room and said, go stand in the corner... You'd be a little confused. But if you loved me and you were obedient, would you search for that corner? Yes. <laughs> you love me. He would search for that corner. He's not going to find one. But at the appointed time, I'm going to say, hey, Matt, good job, man. You're, you're done. It's over. Not supposed to find the ends of the earth. Our job is just to keep Looking, keep reaching, keep sharing, give our testimony, help people to realize the life change they can have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to find the ends of the earth. How genius is that of God? Just go, just go to the ends, trust me. How poor disciples are like. That's how God works, man. When? When, when should we start then our missions if you're not involved yet? When? Now! Now. Right now until Christ comes back. Today, you start today. You start today. Acts 1.6, if we go back, Acts 1.6 says this, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, stop asking when. Just go. When you're done, I'll tell you. When you find the ends, I'll tell you. For now, shut up and reach people. Stop asking me questions. How best, then? How best to do missions. You're in a good place this morning already. CMA Church is like, we're everywhere. Doing missions around the world, everywhere. In places you wouldn't even think we have churches. Syria, a place like the Middle East, there, we have churches there. I'll share a quick story with you that there was a group of people, really great-minded people. I mean, they just have a heart for people who are suffering. 
And I know a lot of you guys are familiar with what's going on in Syria. It's been six, seven, eight years or whatever. There's been just all kinds of horrific stuff going on over there. Displaced people, people without their homes, probably half their country is without a home or gone off into another country to find help. This group gets together and they're like, all right, let's put together a bunch of money. And they went and bought a bunch of mattresses because people without house really don't have a bed, probably, or at least a decent one. So they rounded up all the money, they got all these mattresses together, and they went over there to Syria and they delivered these mattresses to the people. And almost immediately, like men, young men, they were pushing the women, pushing the girls aside to get into the front of the line to get these mattresses, which in itself is horrible. But within days, those same mattresses that those people gave those people for good we're already in the market down the street being sold for profit. Crazy. I mean, right intent, bad execution. CMA Church did the same thing. Took a bunch of mattresses, got some heaters, you know, more needs that the people had, and took them and did the same exact thing. The difference being, they have what we call incarnational missions, which is like, not just missions from a distance, but being in and among the people understanding and knowing the right people to go to, how this works, how that works within that culture, so that we can, that, that, that what we want to give them and the things that we think they need will get to the right hands. CMA Church is really good, guys. Really good when it comes to missions. And that's pretty cool. That's just one thing. So you, you're, you're sitting in Gateway Church. It's a Christian Missionary Alliance church. You're in a good place to start. If you have questions and you feel the need, you feel like called, I'm called to go somewhere, and you, you may not even know the country. Talk to one of the pastors here. We'll get you connected. We'll get you to the right place. And not everybody is called to do missions across the world. It, it is my belief, my belief. The majority of Christians are called to be a missionary right here. Right here. You live in Elk River, most of us are being called to be missionaries right here in Elk River. It'd be nice for all of us to say, we're all called to Nigeria, and the whole church gets up and go. Now, who's going to support us? Can't be Gateway anymore. There's no one here. But some are called. We're all called to go. It just matters where. So how can I get involved? I got three ways to get involved quick. And we'll wrap up. How can I get involved? You can go. Just go. If you felt the Holy Spirit stirring inside of you, you know that you are being called someplace. If that means selling your stuff and going, do it. I mean, really, what are you waiting for? The call to go has never been more important than it is right now. Every day you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning, Christ is one day closer to coming back. I hope he finds me being obedient. I hope I'm where he called me to when he shows back up. But you can go. You can also stay. If Elk River is a place where you're called to do missions, then stay and go. Stay here, but go. I imagine most of you are employed, except the kids in here. I hope not. That could be trouble. Employed? You got coworkers? That's your mission field? The checkout girl at the grocery line? Checkout young man? The bagger? Whoever that is? Your bank teller? Right here in town. Your neighbor? Woo, we hate talking to our neighbors about that, though, don't we? Wherever you're called to go, better go. We need to be obedient with that. We had a Easter service not too long ago, a couple weeks before that, had out all these cards we gave to everybody. This, these cards right here are for you to invite people to the Easter service. Is that missional? Being called to do that? 
I wonder how many of those cards actually made it into the hands of somebody that needed to hear that Jesus Christ is risen. Breaks my heart to think that some of those just got tossed. Man, I hope not. One family and four churches. I look at my wife. What, are we, what, what is wrong with us? We haven't given more thought to adoption or fostering, whatever that is. What is wrong with us? One family and four churches? Are you kidding me? Do you know with all the churches around this world, homeless problem will be eradicated if we did our duty to love one another? Man, what is wrong with us? I'm sick about that. We're going to talk tonight. (laughs) We're going to talk tonight. You can offer financial support, number two. Financial support. Here at the CMA, we have the Great Commission Fund. You can give to that. That money goes to help missionaries all around the world carrying out real, like, missional work, ground level. Mission work. Making a difference. Making sure that people have access to the gospel. You can do that, too. And lastly, you can pray. You can pray. Matthew 9, 37, 38 says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. If you're not being called to go somewhere like that, you can pray for the people that are there already. Pray for protection. Pray for their safety. Pray that the gospel reaches all nations, all tongues. Pray. And pray that the Lord would send people out into that harvest. God, raise people up with the courage and the desire to serve you that way. You can pray that the Lord would reveal to you what you're supposed to be doing. God, just, man, show me. Where do you want me? Do you, if you want me here, I'm going to be here. But if you want me there, I'm going. I'm going because I love you and I want to enter this work with you. Send me. But you better be ready. Don't say it not thinking he's going to answer you because if he sends you, you better be ready for that. Ushers, if you guys could come forward. I just have a little something I wanted to give you all. It's a little cheesy, actually, but I don't care. Um, it's just a little, they're like these beads, but they, they look like the earth, and so my wife and I bought a bunch of them. Just I want to hand one out to you, but this is why I want you to, to have them. They're, they're small enough you can put like in your change purse or put them on the windowsill, window ledge of uh, the kitchen, wherever, wherever you're going to see it. Wherever you're going to see it, so that you can be reminded. Look, these little beads, marbles, whatever they are, they have no end. They're round. Tape it to your mirror in the bathroom so when you get up in the morning, you can remember to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. We don't know where those are. We don't know where the ends are. So it's just our job to keep going, keep sharing, keep loving. Jesus said, you're going to be ashamed of the gospel, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Who wants that? Who wants Jesus to be ashamed of you? One last thing as we're closing. If, if I can be honest, the, 
the thing that I have the most difficulty with in the Bible is hell. I mean, I, I struggle with it. Not the fact that it's real. I, I know hell is real, but I struggle with knowing that people go there. Like, if I could take one thing, if God ever approached me, which he would never do, but if he didn't say, hey, look, you get to take one thing out of the Bible, what would it be? I'd say hell in a second. Have you guys, I mean, you see these things on the news, these countries, there's people dying everywhere. Civil wars, young people without even a chance to grow up, bombed, murdered. Does it bother you that they're dying without knowing who Jesus Christ is? If it bothers you, put your hand up. If that's ever bothered you, put your hand up. Does it bother you that people are dying without knowing about the hope and love of Jesus Christ? Well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Jesus, we have a big mission. And it's one that we don't get to bail out on. You said, if you're going to be my followers, oh, you will. You will go. Lord, we want to be obedient. I know it's hard. I know not everybody has giftings. But Lord, we're not, we don't get to recuse ourselves from this obligation. Help us to have the courage. Give us the boldness, the strength to step out. Get outside of our comfort zone. And wherever we're being called to, Uganda, Brazil, Elk River, that we would just be obedient and go. Give us the hearts for your people, Lord. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. I just pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.